This is a podcast from Rover. All right, second hour, Sunday morning, Rural Exchange. We are brought to you, of course, by the great team at Carter's Tyres. Go and check them out at carterstyres.co.nz and get all your tyre requirements sorted. They are simply the best. Well, it's time to catch up on the workings of the Beehive, the week in politics. Today we've got ACT MP and uh, Ag spokesperson Mark Cameron joining us for the Yes Minister slot. Mark, how are you? Yeah, good, Dom. How are we? Not bad. Now, not bad. How's um, how's the north of the north? How's things uh, looking there at the moment? Oh, look, I'd be telling you fibs if I told you I was at home. I'm currently down in the in the Boyle region, seeing um, all things down in the bottom part of the west coast of the South Island, talking to farmers and and small business owners that are evidently quite aggrieved with a lot of the stuff that's affecting the the rural communities and provincial small towns. Yeah, I can imagine. Where do we bloody start on this, Mark? Uh, we'll start with ag emissions pricing. Uh, you would have made a submission, did you? Or Yeah, evidently. And hey, look, Axe has totally opposed it. I mean, it, again, the original Haywak Economic document in of itself was problematic, but when the government came back um, with its consultation document and had changed so many things, and it obviously spoke to emissions leakage offshore, and I think the most important thing... We have to say as New Zealanders, we're the most emissions-friendly farmers in the world. And the arguments are always, if New Zealand farmers are not making it, someone else in the world is. We become productively poorer and we exacerbate the very thing we seek to fix, which is reducing global emissions. So we oppose it. Um, and our alternative is, is that farmers in New Zealand should have their emissions on-farm priced when our other five major trading partners are. We already know at the starting point we're at the front of this queue, as it were. We're at the top of the heap in terms of per kilo of emissions. Um, and oh, gracious me, sorry. Um, if <laughs> we're not doing it, someone else is in the problem is worse. Yeah, OK, fair enough. Now, you've you've got what you're calling a simple, pragmatic, common-sense solution to... Uh, pricing emissions. What if, if indeed you are able to form part of a of a uh, a future government here in New Zealand? Um, you know what what what's this idea? And um, you know, do you think you'd be able to get any of this stuff actually across the line with a coalition partner? Well, I think the wider point is that we have to propose it. We absolutely have to propose it. I'm I'm not going to speak to what the national po- policy. Um, will ultimately be working in conjunction with the national party. We we are not articulating a message on behalf of them, but we have said as, as ACT, we are we are of the agreement that New Zealand farmers are the most efficient in the world. That's our starting point. Let's set our carbon emissions prices and on-farm emissions, i.e. methane and nitrous oxide, alongside our training partners. So we're neither a pariah on the international stage and don't appear to care about the climate, and equally not a martyr. We're at the front of the queue. We see the Prime Minister... Uh, seeking international plaudits about how good we are, well, we're already there, so let's stay there. And that's our exposition. We will price our emissions when our five major trading partners are in the climate space of on-farm emissions categories, methane and nitrous oxide. We're at the front, so let's stay at the front. Righto. (laughs) That sounds like a good tactic. Um, Mark... You've been very vocal about the sale of Mangahani Station, which uh, we've just been talking to Mike Barham about for for an update uh, on his syndicate plans. Do you think that yes. 
the fact that someone has to, you know, put together a syndicate to save a station like this indicates some sort of master, massive systemic failure somewhere? I mean, is, is, when it comes to this, don't we have a, a big problem? We've got a big problem. And the, the argument has always been is what was the carbon price that creates this environment? We see New Zealand, uh, this continuum of New Zealand going into pine. And it's, you know, this is the kind of policy settings that have created this creature. Equally so, we were a party of free markets. So if you want to sell your farm to, 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 as a private landowner and then put it into trees, it's not for us to interfere certainly as, as Act parliamentarians anyway, in that process. Well, this is where the issue really comes, is just that unfortunately we've got this massive carbon price. Why is it that we can only offset our emissions in New Zealand inside our own jurisdiction? You know, the argument has always been made, and Act has taken this position, if we could actually put our carbon price um, in, into other countries, in other words, we could afforest anywhere in the world and at that price, um, we wouldn't be fighting this $85 a tonne, which is somewhere where it sits now, and see this, un- this runaway afforestation and, and permanent exotics. It's a big problem, and I've been outspoken about it. I appreciate the government has put forward the benefit to New Zealand test. I think they're now cognizant of the fact that this is a real problem for New Zealand and, and our food producers in our small communities. I'm not sure if the balance is quite right. I'm also aware that the language has changed from uh, Minister Nash about the categorisation of permanent decarbonising forestry, which was due to change in and around exotics and err towards more natives. And I think more and more New Zealanders want to do the right thing in terms of the climate, but they're really concerned about you know, the environmental degradation with this runaway afforestation with pine. So... I don't think the balance is right, and I think there's a lot of work to do in this space, and we've got to do it quickly because we can see these clients going in at a huge rate of knots. Yeah, well, that's what I was just going to ask. Do you think it's too little, too late? I mean, I know in the area I live in, there's been that many farms that have been converted, um, you know, implanted in pine trees, um, predominantly for carbon. You know, like, is it? Have we done a lot of damage already? Can we fix this? Yeah, we've done. Yes. Absolutely. We've done a lot of damage. And, and again, a, a lot of it is to do with domestic policy settings. And I think the government has finally woken up. Is it a little bit too late, little too late? I don't know. Um, but, you know, if today's the starting point for all of us, you've got to go and put something that's propositional, that one, meets our international obligations, two, protects food security. And I think that's tantamount to a good outcome as a food producer in the bottom of the world sending everything north of here. It looks like the policy settings are jilted in, in favour of permanent decarbonising on the other way round. I mm. think, you know, New Zealand was made on small communities producing food and exporting it to the world, and then we grew into big cities. Let's start from there and protect our small towns. So we've got to do a lot of work and do it quickly to get those international carbon price settings right for New Zealand. And let's be able to offset our um, emissions offshore. There's a good pri- uh, way of, do- of driving down the price to keep some of our farms in farming. Because we mm, see that, was, that this week another big station, um, Waipoa, is up for sale by International Tender as well. So I, 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 that's I got a, that. cadet, yeah. a cadet side of it. So that's that's not only the farm with the, the production, but it's the training, the young people that we need for the industry. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I go up and down rural New Zealand talking to, to what I would metaphorically say my kind of folk, which are farming folk. And a lot of young people are, are, are disenfranchised with their rural small towns. They, they see what their parents are going through. They see the degradation or decline, the rural decline. And um, they all are now gravitating to the cities because there's low unemployment in the country. And it's such a travesty that this, this is happening. And how do we arrest it? We've got to have some policymakers that actually look through a practical lens. And I'm and, um, sorry, but the shiny bums in Wellington are not, often not very good at that. Um, I see that Silver Fern Farms is wanting um, sheep and deer farmers to be given what they're sort of calling a transitional discount on any methane pricing that is introduced uh, by the government as part of its, um, you know, uh, of the pricing of uh, greenhouse gases from from agriculture. Uh, It was in their submission, um, which, of course, we know that those have now now wound up, as, as we spoke about at the start there. But I was just having a look at that and sort of, you know, they're, they're looking, um, you know, for, for cross-party agreement on farm-level emission pricing um, to give the sector a bit of confidence to invest in the future. And we had a, um, a financial advisor on um, in the last hour as well, and he's talking about, um, you know, what farms will have to do to basically survive in the next little while and uh, yeah, investment is, is, is part of that. But there does need to be some sort of middle ground, some sort of compromise here, doesn't there, Mark? I think the thing is, the most important thing, Dom, or what we've got to get right is the targets. And the targets was always the issue. Um, and unfortunately, um, and I'm not going to, to, to politicise the political, but the ACT Party was the only party to oppose the Zero Carbon Act. But we're of the volition is set unrealistic targets for all industries, including now by virtue the Haywin and, and the primary sector. The targets was always the problem. If we didn't have the mitigation technology, how are we going to meet our global commitments that we'd signed up to because of these targets and what perverse outcomes were going to happen because of it? So I think that's the key starting point. And that's why, you know, and again, I speak to our positions, why we took what we are saying is a practical position on it. We know that we are going to continue to innovate our way out of these problems, whether it's the infrastructure sector or the energy sector, or in our case, the primary sector, to mitigate our emissions. But we don't want to front foot this with a Pacovian tax, the kind of tax that is like an excise on your, your ciggies or your booze. This is nonsense. These are food producers. If we drive that productivity offshore, we've made ourselves poorer, and equally, we've increased the global emissions. I mean, the government's own document spoke to us. So I think targets are key. And we've got to have a conversation, an honest one, about the projections out to 2050. Because if we get it wrong, all these things are worse for New Zealand. I'll leave you with this. Is there uh, any chance, given the weight of submissions, the petition, de- uh, petition delivered to Parliament the other day, um, any chance that uh, we'll see some, you know, some wriggle room here, in your esteemed opinion, Mark Cameron? <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a farmer, so I bark pretty loud, right? And um, I've also got thousands and thousands of rural New Zealanders behind me. And I think what is r- quite lovely, and I genuinely mean this, the average Kiwi is on this journey with us. They, the urban New Zealanders are coming across to the rural story, looking through rural lens and saying, these are good folk trying to do their best in the bottom of the world, producing food for all of us and a whole lot of other people. Let's give them a helping hand and not beat them up. 
And the average Kiwi is looking at the kilo of mints that used to be twelve bucks fifty and now twenty, and saying, "Well, gracious me, everything that we do that's lens through anything rural, if we get it wrong, this is worse." And now in this cost of living crisis, is not to be tinkering around the edges and potentially killing off the very people in a metaphorical way uh, that are producing our food. Let's take a practical lens on things, and and that's now more than half of New Zealand. So. I think there is a good chance. There's a real chance we can actually shift um, uh, out of the nonsensical and actually put our, our big, big boy pants on, big girl pants on, and have an honest conversation how we take the country forward. Good on you, Mark. Um, appreciate your time as always. Mark Cameron, uh, ACT Party Agriculture spokesperson. That last point, I think, Bex, was pretty much on the on the money, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, when he said, you know, if we drive production offshore... All we're doing is making ourselves poorer and, and increasing global emissions. Hmm. Um, that, 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 le- that, that leakage one, though, um, I've done a bit of reading on this, and okay. there are, as always, a couple sides. of sides to the story. Now, yeah. I'll just say people need to maybe just look a. There's a school of thought out there that says it, it, it may not be as bad as... As, as what the predictions are in terms of what is un- used under that umbrella term of, of, of leakage. So you just got to, if you can, you know, just maybe look outside the traditional or your usual sources of information, just broaden just a little bit and see what you come up with. Not to say that that's not accurate, but there's always... It's the old cliche, Bex, well, isn't it? There's always what, two sides here. Yeah, there are always two sides to every story. And it is a, I mean, it's a pretty convenient argument to make, I guess. And it, it is, on a simplistic level, it, it does appear that that would be the cause and effect of that happening. Exactly. Um, I but. do think he's right that it will make us poorer, though, because if we if we lose production, we lose, and it's, it's more that I think that we lose these productive farms that go to forestry and then, and then we can't get them back. Uh, we have yeah, that's a nightmarish scenario. Yeah. yeah, so I, I think that we, yeah, we we definitely risk making ourselves poorer as a country through this whole process. I don't think there's uh, yeah too much argument against that. Although I'm sure someone's got one out there, bet, you know. I bet there'll be someone, but um, yeah, there will yeah, be. No. But and the but the thing is though, all of, the point I'm trying to make is. Um, not that this is wrong, and I'm sure there's probably you know a lot of truth to it. But to understand where other people are coming from on a on a different issue, you, you kind of have to look at it from from their point of view. Okay, so why are people saying this in relation to you know into whatever it, it might be? It's always a good idea to have a you know go and have a look at. Might be uncomfortable. You might be seething when you're reading it, but it's a good idea just to to find out where those people are coming from in order for you to then have a stronger argument in the end. Yeah, well, this is the voice of reason here. Thanks, Dom. Um, well, you know, this is why I try and do things, Bex. You know, it doesn't always work, but it's, um, you know, it's a noble endeavour, I suppose. Well, but that's journalism too, though. Well, it should be good journalism. You know, there are always two sides to every story. And, that's the um, thing. And, and once, you you, wanna... once you're in that world, buddy, as you know, it's hard to uh, think of things differently. I think sometimes it's hard to, um, it's particularly I find for me with this issue, because I live in an area, as we've talked about many times, that's um, affected by this, and because I'm a farmer and it affects our business quite significantly, sometimes it is quite hard to, to remove the emotion from it. So, of course, um, skin in the game. Yeah, yeah so uh, you already feel a bit angry, upset, 
uh, not sure, uncertain about the future. Mm. Uh, so I think you tend to naturally have your back up about things before you even start doing any reading or talking to yeah. people sometimes. So, um, Which yeah, is perfectly normal. Yeah, but it's good for me to... Um, just remind myself that, you know, there are always, you know, two arguments or two sides to every story. And, you know, not everything that you read is necessarily um, or not everything that every person says or posts on Facebook or, you know, because anyone can say anything. So yeah, that's right. To, um, well, that, that's the thing. It's more like that now, isn't it? So you do yeah. have to be careful of what sources you trust. Who's saying it? Why are they saying it? Um, yeah, you know. My husband showed me something on Facebook a while back, not recently, but and I said, but where did this come from? Like, what's their source? Like, where did they get this from? And so I looked it up and it was actually something that had come out like months and months and months earlier. And it was just a recommendation that, mm. that the government needed. It was a recommendation that we need to do this in order to meet some sort of target that we had signed up to under one of the agreements. I can't remember which one it was yep. exactly. But the, it was the recommendations that this group had made that we would need to do to get to that goal as opposed to, and it was being presented as, this is what the government is going to do. And he was like, oh my God, look at this. Like, they're going to do this and this. And I was like, yes, but there's no source on this. Like, where did this, where did these facts come from? And he's like, oh, but it was in this thing and they're really reputable. And it's not because he's, he's intelligent, but, you know, it, you can get quite caught up and even the source or that this had come from was quite, it was someone that you would believe. Like, it was an mm-hmm. agribusiness. It was an industry group that put out a newsletter. And yeah. they had seized on it. And, yeah, I was just like, yeah, you've got to actually look at where that's come from, though. They can't. Yeah, if they'd made course. all these big announce- announcements just today, it would be all over the news. Generally speaking, if something appears to be, you know, as uh, dramatic as what a headline might make it sound like, it uh, generally isn't, you know. It's never as dramatic as... Um, what they're wanting you to think it is, but you know, take a breath and uh, and do it. But like in relation to this stuff, you'd have to say that most of the guests that we've had on, um, you know, it's pretty much a situation where you go, well, if it does go down this road in terms of what the government are proposing here, then you know, you can see it having all kinds of bloody disastrous results. Really, um, yeah, with rural exchange, geez, that was a good old robust discussion, wasn't it? Uh, Bex, uh, Rebecca Grease, and Dom George with you uh, on your Sunday morning. Great to be here as well, having fun, good times. We'll take a break. We we'll talk a bit of women's rugby next. Nikki Ewans joins us here on Rural Exchange.